Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. It has always amazed me how Christian radio stations turn on a dime the day after Thanksgiving to transition from their regular schedule of worship songs to 24-7 Christmas music. Everyone loves singing and hearing Christmas carols during the Christmas holidays. It may surprise you to realize that songs have been a part of the celebration of the birth of the Messiah since the very first Christmas morning. In the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke, we encounter four songs. The first is a hymn of praise from the lips of Mary, the pregnant mother of Jesus, Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. The second is a poetic praise given by the no longer silent Zechariah, the new father of John the Baptist, Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. The third song comes from the angels of heaven who announced Jesus' birth to a group of shepherds living in the fields near Bethlehem, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. And finally, the fourth song comes from the faithful priest Simeon, as he recognized the eight-day-old baby Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, Luke chapter 2, verses 29 to 32. Our faith connection lesson this week for the third Sunday of Advent is the song from the lips of Mary, the pregnant mother of Jesus. The song is known as the Magnificat. This word is the first word of Mary's song from the Latin version of the Bible known as the Vulgate, which was translated in the late fourth century AD. Magnificat means to magnify, glorify, or exalt. Let's take a moment to set the stage for this week's lesson. Luke shaped the beginning of his gospel with two infant narratives, one for the for John the Baptist and the other for Jesus of Nazareth. The angel Gabriel had visited both Zechariah, the soon-to-be father of John the Baptist, and Mary, the virgin girl who would conceive of the Holy Spirit and soon be the mother of the Christ. Just before our passage for today begins, Mary encountered Gabriel, who told this young unmarried girl that she had found favor with God and would conceive of a son by the Holy Spirit. This son would be named Jesus, and he would be called the Son of God. Mary willingly said yes to the will of the Father, no matter how disruptive and confusing that message must have sounded to her. Gabriel's message to Mary also mentioned that Mary's relative Elizabeth was miraculously pregnant in her old age. 
As our story begins today, Mary left her home in Nazareth and traveled to the hill country of Judea, to the home of Elizabeth. The action and the words of our lesson this week depict the meeting between the two mothers-to-be, Elizabeth and Mary, when they encounter each other at Elizabeth's home. Their voices, full of joy and expectation, fill the narrative. Let's listen to the scripture today from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then returned home. When Mary heard the news from the angel Gabriel, she said, may your word to me be fulfilled. Luke chapter one, verse 38. Her full of faith response to the angel's message was followed by her immediate action. Verse 39 says that Mary got ready and hurried to her relative Elizabeth's home. I can only imagine Mary's thoughts. If anyone would understand her, if anyone would believe that she was pregnant and still a virgin, it would be Elizabeth, a pregnant senior adult. The Greek word uh, anastemi, which means set out or arise, is translated in verse 39 as got up or got ready. Remember with me for a moment the story of Abraham from Genesis 22. God had miraculously given Abraham and Sarah a child named Isaac in their elderly years. Then God told Abraham to take Isaac to a mountain and sacrifice him there. Abraham, by faith, like Mary in our passage this week, got up and loaded his donkey, according to Genesis chapter 22, verse 3. When the Hebrew of Genesis 22, verse 3, was translated into Greek, 
the same word, anatemi, anastemi, is used for Abraham's action. Abraham and Mary, when given God's will that did not make sense humanly, responded by faith in action. They arose and they set out. Sometimes God's will doesn't always make sense to us, but we must respond with faith in obedience. In the first century, the journey from Nazareth to a town in Galilee, to Bethlehem, a town in Judea, would have been a challenging and uncommon one for a young girl. The distance was about 100 miles. The journey included hilly roads and dangerous uh, thieves and wild animals was always present. By any standard, the journey would have been challenging and would have required great courage. Mary would soon make this journey again, fully pregnant the second time from Nazareth to Bethlehem with her husband Joseph in order to register for a census. When Mary arrived at Elizabeth's home and spoke her greeting, verse 41 says that the baby, that's John the Baptist, leaped inside Elizabeth's womb. John's reaction in the womb is a preview of his future ministry. He would testify to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verses 29 to 30. Let's not miss the activity of the Holy Spirit in this story. Mary became pregnant by the work of the Holy Spirit, Luke chapter 1, verse 35. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit while still in the womb, Luke chapter 1, verse 15. Now in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit and with her unborn son leaping for joy in her womb, Elizabeth recognized the significance of this meeting with Mary and the baby that was in her womb. Her, her words are filled with joy and anticipation. It's noteworthy considering the value of life today that it was an unborn baby who first worship Jesus. Still in the womb, John the Baptist leaped for joy at the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb. Amazingly, Elizabeth, the much older of the two mothers, took a posture of humility in Mary's presence. While she had experienced a miraculous pregnancy, by the Spirit, Elizabeth knew that the baby inside Mary was greater than the baby inside her. With no hint of jealousy, but only praise to God, Elizabeth called the baby in the womb of Mary, my Lord, Luke chapter 1, verse 43. In the Old Testament, God alone is called Lord. Early on in the Gospels, the title is bestowed on Jesus and revealed his unique status as the Son of God. While joy is the most notable experience for the people connected to these two births, the phrase leaped for joy in verse 44 only occurs three times in the New Testament, and they're all in the, in the Gospel of Luke. Two of the times refer to the baby's response to the presence of Mary and Jesus in the womb. The third describes the desired response of believers who would be persecuted for their allegiance to Jesus. They should leap for joy in expectation of their reward in heaven. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 46, moves from Elizabeth's words of praise to Mary's song of praise, the Magnificat. Mary's song in verses 46 to 55 have uh, many similarities to the song Hannah sang recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Hannah, if you'll remember, was a childless woman in the Old Testament who went to pray at the Lord's house in Shiloh for the blessing of a son. Eli, the priest, ends up blessing Hannah with the words, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17. In time, Hannah did have a son who she named Samuel. Samuel became a great priest and prophet of God in Israel. When Samuel was born, Hannah sang a song of praise that's recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Both Mary and, Hannah's, and Hannah rejoiced in the Lord, both called God holy, and both introduced themes of mercy, salvation, the humble being lifted up, and the fulfillment of promises. Our commentator for this week's lesson asks a question about the similarities between Mary's song and Hannah's song. How did Mary know Hannah's song so well as to sing a similar lyric? There's not much written about the education of young Jewish women in antiquity. Most scholars believe that it's unlikely there was formal education for girls in ancient Israel. So how did Mary praise God in a similar language to Hannah? It's unlikely that Mary was from a cultured home that would have trained her such in such a way. Certainly the Holy Spirit helped her praise uh, the Father in heaven. Likely a, a faithful Jewish dad and mom followed the instructions of Deuteronomy chapter six, where parents are encouraged to speak about God's commands in the home both day and night. Oh, how this is needed today. People in Jesus' day conveyed huge blocks of wisdom, story, and tradition orally. It's quite possible that many of these options were at work in Mary's life and heart when she sang this praise to the Lord. Mary's song opens with a personal expression of gratitude and praise in response to what God has done for her. Mary's soul glorifies the Lord, verse 46. Her spirit rejoices in God, verse 47. Notice the name she used in praise. Her joy and praise are offered to her Lord, her Savior, and her God. Far from exalting herself as the, the one that God chose, Mary stood amazed that God had been mindful of the humble state of his servant, verse 48. Our response to grace is not only of joy and wonder, but should also be one of humility as well. The fact that God works in and through ordinary and frail vessels like us does not lead to pride, but to the humble amazement that we see in Mary. The Christmas season is a time to slow down, not speed up. Slow down enough to recognize all that God has done by his grace for you personally, and give praise to his holy name. But God has not only done great things for you personally, 
God promises that his grace and mercy extends to all who would receive him. Verse 50 says, his mercy extends to those or to all who fear him from generation to generation. Mercy is one of the key characteristics of God that generates God's saving activity on the earth. Our joy in the experience of God's mercy and grace will lead us to celebrate the grace and mercy extended to the lives of others. Mary is celebrating the hesed of God. You might remember that word. Hesed is the Hebrew word used to describe God's covenant faithfulness, his unfailing love, gracious, kind, compassionate, patient, and everlasting. Mary used language about God performing mighty deeds with his arm in verse 51. These words reflect the language used when describing God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. It was God's mighty hand, Exodus chapter 6, verse 1, and his outstretched arm, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, that led his people out of Egypt. God's mighty hand and outstretched arm symbolizes his power to redeem his people. It's good to know that God's power has not diminished after all these years. He is still powerful to save by his mighty hand and outstretched arm. This coming kingdom that Mary sings about also brings a great reversal of the world's values and systems. Verses 51 and 52 speak about God scattering the proud, bringing down rulers, lifting up the humble. The theme of reversal is one of the most striking themes in the Gospel of Luke. The Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26, expands the imagery of reversal in further detail. The story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, graphically describes the reversal of the fates of Lazarus and the rich man after their deaths. We see the same reversal being spoken of throughout the teaching of Jesus. Jesus reveals that those who seek to save their life will lose it. The first will be last. The unclean outsiders are welcome. Much attention is given to the plight of the marginalized, along with the stern warnings about neglecting those in need while accumulating wealth throughout the book of Luke. Don't forget that Jesus began his ministry claiming Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 was his mission statement to bring good news to the poor, proclaim freedom to, for the prisoner, give sight to the blind, set the oppressed free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here is good news for all people today. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what university you went to or even if you went to college. God loves you and has made his wonderful salvation available to all people. The final part of Mary's song celebrates God's faithfulness to Israel. Mary, a humble young girl from Nazareth, embodies the state of Israel. Just as God looked with favor on his servant Mary, he has helped his servant Israel and has shown mercy. 
In verse 54, Israel's referred to as God's servant, a description that's often used by the prophet Isaiah. Jesus also, as you remember, came as a servant, Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 28. The picture being drawn with Mary as the example is that believers who are a part of God's kingdom are servants who live in surrendered, self-giving, and sacrificial love. Christmas is often today thought of as a time of receiving gifts. The true spirit of Advent, however, is one of joy for all God has done, praise to him who has done great things, and serving and giving to others. Are you living out the true spirit of the Christmas season this year? Give praise to God. Give thanks to him. Share with others. Humble yourself. Serve others in sacrificial love. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.